Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. That is my main influence is home, the characters, the weather, yeah, the ocean, the wildness and rawness of it all. So yeah, that's, it connects very deeply into my music. Kia oranga, kohi mai rā. Welcome to Our Changing World, ko Klek and Kananaho. AJ Penny lives in Western Australia, but he's originally from Rekuhu, the largest of the Chatham Islands. And on his nan's side, he can trace his genealogy, his hokopapa, back to indigenous Moriori who first inhabited these islands. Kia oranga, my name's AJ, AJ Penny, or Ataira, and I am a born and raised Chatham Islander. I am of Moriori blood, Māori blood, and Rarotongan blood. I'm also a musician, and I do the compositions and some musical direction for uh, the Moriori project. I caught up with AJ in Ōtipoti at the University of Otago's Performing Arts Centre. It's a sunny weekend and a team of people are gathered for the music recording part of a wider project. Yeah, Moriori music and manawa. Um, the whole project's very much about Moriori cultural revitalisation. This is Dr Jennifer Catermull, an ethnomusicologist at the University of Otago and one of the co-leads of this project. What we're really aiming to do is to create a museum exhibition that will be held in Otago Museum July, August 2024. And one of the things that we're trying to create is a really multi-sensory experience for people of what it's like to um, to be over on Rekohu and also to really celebrate and highlight yeah, the contemporary Moriori cultural revival that's been ongoing for, for many, many, many years now. There's just so many really, really amazing things going on. And that's where AJ's musical talent comes in, both composing for the exhibition, but also part of this wider revitalisation and contemporary expression of Moriori culture. It started for me about, I think, close to nine years ago, or it was around 2011, and um I was just writing a song for my projects under Black Robin and then um, I wanted to incorporate some Moriori words. So I emailed Hokati Trust or Susan in Maui, Solomon, and just asked for uh, like language files they had on hand to just see if I could incorporate some and then they kindly emailed back about a couple of weeks later and gave me the opportunity or opened the door for me to compose music for Rongo and, um, and melodies too for the... Um, old wrong from yeah, my ancestors and that so since then we've created two EPs one's a CD that's only at Hokotehi I'm pretty sure the other one is on Spotify and the next ones I'm recording now currently and also with this project too we're recording some so yeah Tapuko The album on Spotify is called Rongo Moriori by the Hokotehi Moriori Trust. 
The songs, the rongo, are a mixture of AJ's compositions, taongo puro, field recordings and lyrics that were collected some time ago. A lot of the words that they use are from Alexander Shand or uh, Hiruwana Tapu. Hiruwana Tapu was, uh, he had the foresight back in the 1800s to 1900s to work with a man named Alexander Shand who was on Rekohu at the time to keep track of all the history or as much history as they could in the language and rongo. But unfortunately, a lot of it got burnt to the ground with Alexander Shand in the early 1900s, I'm sure. But um, what we have left, that's what we use. Yeah, I'll get gifted the rongo from Hokotehi, and then I get the translations as well, because that helps a lot to sort of understand, so I can really connect to what the ancestors were praying for or singing about. Yeah, I was sort of paint the picture from there. So he's got a busy weekend ahead. I am currently recording some new rongo for Hokuti Moriori Trust um, for another personal album to release on streaming and all that. So I'll bring in those stems from uh, those sessions into the session here, and we use that as almost like a just a guide track. And then Alistair will go in and lay the foundation drones and a lot of the foundation. Um, Mihiki Oro or Tongaporo, and then I'll go in after him and I'll lay down the vocals or the melodies and after that we'll embellish some of the phrases or some of the um, wording with Tongaporo. Tongaporo is a te Māori term for a treasured musical instrument and as Jennifer explains, Miheke Oro can be thought of as the corresponding term in the Moriori language. So miheke is kind of the equivalent to, um, in te reo Māori, the word taonga. So it means um, something that's really treasured, valued, highly prized. And oro, oro uh, is kind of the equivalent term to puoro in te reo Māori. Oro kind of means like source or origin, and particularly in this context in terms of like a source or an origin of, of sound. Yeah, it's kind of an umbrella term that embraces all Moriori musical instruments. There's only two flutes, unfortunately, that I've been able to find. Um, There may be more that have been mislabeled toggles. So there may still be more flutes than just these two. Um, But one of these is held in the Canterbury Museum and the other one is uh, in the Bishop Museum in Hawaii. And they're really the only existing Moriori instruments apart from, and I'm still not sure if these exist, but possibly some kopi trees back on Rekohu that were struck with wands and had karaki or incantations recited in order to change the direction of the wind. So some of those may still exist, but otherwise these these two flutes are the only ones that, um, that we still have uh, a physical record of. You know, there's odd kind of scattered reference in the literature to a few other kinds of instruments, but in terms of the actual physical instruments, these two flutes are the kind of all we have. <laughs> two remaining flutes of different designs, whose history can be traced back to Rekohu. This is the inner nerd or the ethnomusicologist in me speaking, I guess, but um, these flutes... There might be similarities between these meheke oro and some flutes here on mainland Aotearoa, but they are utterly different from anything documented from anywhere else in Polynesia. So the flutes were hand-carved and crafted a long time ago. They're carefully stored in two museums, which means they are being preserved, but not played. 
So how then do you capture the sound of these instruments and make them available for musicians to be able to use them? We've had the original Meheke CT scanned and then that CT scan data gets turned into digital models and those digital models are what gets printed using a 3D printer. We've been experimenting with a variety of different filaments just to test out how close we can get to either look, feel, sound of that original meheke. So we've tried some that have got sort of uh, brass, metal particles. Um, We've got ones that have got a little bit of wood pulp, some that are made from the same material that you find in plastic Coke bottles. There's even a carbon fibre one. There's one with um, ebony wood dust. Yeah, and it's really just to test out different densities, the different kind of feel or um, surface texture that you get with some of these different print mediums. From what you've tried and tested already, do the Mm. flutes sound different depending on the different filaments that you use? Yeah, I think so a little bit. You know, the, the internal structure of all of these is identical, as you'd expect. So in terms of pitch, there's no real difference there. But there is a real big difference, I think, in terms of the timbre. So timbre is kind of like the quality of the sound. The ones that have got brass filaments in, they're a lot, lot denser, a lot, lot heavier. And the tone, I don't know, it's sort of sharper or cleaner somehow compared to ones that are, you know, really um, you know, made, made from a more lightweight plastic where it's sort of a bit breathier. The one I'm really excited to try is a product called Simubone, which um, Gianna's just been over to the United States, which is the only place where they would sell it. They wouldn't ship it here to New Zealand, but she's managed to buy some. And, um, you know, they use it to actually print, like, replacement human joints for medical applications. (laughs) Dr Gianna Savoy is the other co-lead in this project, based in the Centre for Science Communication. And the thing here is that because there are no Moriori bone flutes remaining outside of museums and no recordings of them being played, no one really knows exactly what they should sound like and therefore which material is best. But alongside this 3D printing, there was also a wangana to carve flute replicas using what is believed to be the original material, something carefully sourced from Dock and Tuhura Otago Museum. We used toroa bones, albatross bones, uh, so called hobo by Moriori, and um, traditional tool materials. This is Alistair Fraser, Taunga Puro musician and maker. Kia ora, um, ko Alistair Fraser, Toko Ingoa, um, a manu whakatangitangi a ngā taonga puru and um, kaihanga a ngā taonga puru and meheke oro. Alistair and I are chatting in the large and beautiful recording space at the university. And on a small table beside the microphone are a collection of miheke oro which he brings me to see. Okay, so uh, this first one I have in my hands is a shorter miheke hopo. So it's a, it's a toroa one bone from the ulna and uh, we used a 3D print as a template to guide us with the weenie weenie, the finger holes and uh, the the length. That's about mm, mm. 10, 12-ish yeah. centimetres? About that, yeah, it would be, yeah. And how do you play that? So this is cross-blown and this uh, looks much like a, a kowowo um, toroa.
beautiful. It's haunting. Hmm. And there's a second one there that's slightly longer. Second one. So this is um, held in the Bishop Museum in Hawaii. And so this is a long torua bone. Again, it's the same. It's the um, ulna. In humans, the ulna bone is a long bone in the forearm, so between the elbow and the wrist, where it pairs up with the radius bone. In albatrosses, it's kind of the same. So it's found in the long midsection of their wings. And uh, this has a square hole in the centre. So what we did to create that square hole was we used a, a two-witty drill, um, hand drill with a, with a shark's tooth on the point, and we created a round hole. And then um, Sophie from the Geology Museum created a bunch of square files for us. And so we used the square files to then create the square hole. This is a bit longer. It's more like between 15 and 20, maybe yeah. 20 oh, centimetres. Yeah. yeah. And and that um, square hole that you've described is kind of in the centre of the bone. Yeah, it'd be about five or six, six mils each side. Yeah. And the, the mouth is really beautifully rounded and on the original. I think the person who made this original miheke took, took all the time they wanted to make something really beautiful. Mm. Okay, so how is this? Is this one also a cross? Yeah, it can also be um, what you'd call a lip read, you know, so it can be um, trumpeted. Jennifer Catamol had a look at this um, in the Bishop Museum. It came with the name Pawawao, and so we have a name for this taonga, uh, this miheke, which is really quite special. Usually in museum collections, they say, we bought this in 1880 from this auction, and that's it. So to have the name Pawawao, hopefully it's got good provenance, and, but we've got a name for it. Along with AJ, Alistair was part of the team involved in the Rongo Moriori release a few years back, adding Taungo Puro or Miheke Oro to those songs. We did a project about, it was about three or four years ago, when we were based on Rekohu, also with James Webster and a, and a few other people came over. And um, that was really the sort of, probably the genesis of this current project. We looked at the island and we looked to see what we could play. And so there are other Miheke Oro that don't necessarily need reconstructing in a way and that they're already there, Andre Kohu. And we can see some of these just over here if you want to have a look. I was expecting more flutes of some kind. But instead, there's like a little collage of things that you might gather from along the seashore. So just over here on the table, we've got Niheke Oro that we're going to that we're going to record for a sample pack. And uh, we have um, some little shell kawaiwo. I could just play one. We found those on the beach. Um, there's quite a few shells on Rekohu that are quite playable. Can you just yeah. explain that to me, how a yeah. shell is playable? All right. So uh, it's playable much like I was playing the Miheki Hopo, in that it's cross-blown and you just have need to cut the open waha of the shell with, the, with your breath. 
That is an amazing sound from a, a seashell. Right. And they're all just sitting, waiting to be played. Um, barnacle. Jen found this barnacle. Um, okay, so I've got a coda, a crayfish uh, leg, and uh, it's had some holes drilled in it. You don't need the holes drilled in it. So if, you've, if you're a crayfish eater, save those legs pull out the meat, give them a bit of a clean, and you've got a, um, you've got a mihiki oro. We, one of our first walks that we did with uh, Moe Solomon and James Webster on our project um, four years ago, we found a, um, a seal skull and it already had stones in it and we picked it up and Here we've got some basalt, lots of basalt on record here, beautiful sound. Yeah, so um, some mihiki oro, you're going to have to craft them. And, you know, uh, shells and, and other things. You just experiment with what's out there and, and see what makes um, the auto. These are all part of the catalogue of instruments that the team will use for the exhibition. Here's Jennifer Cattermole again. There's this wonderful, wonderful quote that I remember at the end of a documentary about Taonga Poro. The documentary is called Voices of the Land. And uh, I think it's um, Brian Flintoff talking about how, you know, in the absence of living culture bearers. We still have the land as our teacher. And because so little information was documented about Moriori musical instruments, to a large extent, you know, we're sort of taking that approach, the land is our teacher. So a lot of it is based on, and this is slightly dangerous territory, fully acknowledge that, a knowledge of Taonga Pūro, a knowledge of other instruments that are found elsewhere in Polynesia, and um, going into those environments over on Rākohu and kind of, in a way, putting ourselves in the position of some of those earlier settlers to the islands and thinking, hmm, what's here that makes interesting sounds? What, what can we use? How can we play them? So it is experimental, and we've been hopefully pretty clear with everybody that we've been sharing this this work with that, you know, Moriori may or may not have done this historically, we don't know, but these are local materials that you can create these beautiful, beautiful sounds with. The exhibition in July and August next year will be the culmination of all of the work, and to create it, the university team are working closely with Hokotehi Moriori Trust. It's an extreme honour to be able to you know, recreate the expressions of those before us, of our karapuna and our aatetua, our, our god, and be able to share that with others. This is Deborah Gooms. Tēnā ko, ko uri o rongoma whenua au, ko waina pono o rekohu. Deborah Gooms pa ingo. 
I am uh, Pau Hapai for the Moriori Music and Manawa Project on behalf of Hokitihi Moriori Trust. Pau Hapai means the pillar that supports, which of course is key to the exhibition reflecting Moriori culture in a contemporary, multi-sensory way. There is a lot of interwovenness in the themes in terms of how we connect sounds with the environment, the importance of what Nunuku's law is, what that means and how we share that. And it also gives a sense of understanding the island by drawing in aspects of the ocean and the wind as part of that um, sensory experience. We have some very special component of the exhibition to do with our uh, kopi grow, where our rako mamori, uh, our tree carving, and the expression of um, art and storytelling and knowledge. It's more than a, just about that experience, but it actually brings to life um, the modi, the energy. You know, so you've got a real sense of wairuatanga, you know, that spiritual aspect. So, you know, the project has endeavoured to capture Ta'ao Moriori, the world of Moriori, in such a contemporary approach in order to, to really bring those traditions alive. Kopi is the Moriori word for karaka trees, introduced to the Chatham Islands by the Moriori people. And Nunuku's law is the covenant of peace by which the Moriori live by, reflected in the salutation Meurongo, in peace. Because as well as meaning song in the Moriori language, rongo also means peace. And one of the things that, you know, really shines for me with our people, our elders of yesterday, is that we are a, a very happy, you know, harmonious people through our nunukutanga, you know, the peace tradition. But also throughout manuscripts, I've read how our people were always singing. And, um, you know, they were dancing and they were happy people. And, you know, and, and, and even now that makes me, you know, makes me smile. But, you know, even to capture those expressions of yesterday and bring them into this exhibition is, you know, we're really sharing what it is like to be a peaceful people. Music is often hailed as a universal language, able to connect across all cultures. And that's AJ's passion working with the Trust to bring the traditional rongo into contemporary times and use them to celebrate Moriori culture, both with Moriori people, but also with others. He feels positive about the revitalization of Moriori culture in his lifetime and is excited about the part he's playing. So we've seen the, the apology from Crown happen. That was just before COVID or during COVID, I think. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Revitalization of rongo, which I've been helping with. Yeah, and, and language in general. The, there's just been the Moriori app released um, online. I think they're still working on like the solid app, but uh, it's just been released online. And it's beautiful. There's karaki and rongo and there's audio files to listen to them so you get the correct pronunciation. There's a starting of a dictionary on there. So yeah, yeah, yeah big steps, big steps. And it's been, it's been amazing. What I'd like to see in my lifetime of not just Moriori music, but my music in general, or my main goal behind it all would be to open the door or be able to give a hand up to anyone that wants to do art from the Jetums, you know, uh, any type of artistic media. Always maintain the image of the bigger picture, which is, which is home and culture.
AJ often posts on social media about the Moriori language and about his work on the Rongo. I ask him, what's the thing that people don't know or maybe misunderstand about Moriori culture? That we're completely extinct, I think. That's a, that's still a big one. Especially on TikTok, actually. That's what I've uh, sort of gathered because it was one of the Moriori videos that you might have seen on Instagram or social media that went kind of viral on uh, TikTok. And the amount of comments that were that mostly positive, mostly positive, which is awesome, but the amount of comments that were like, that said, this is amazing because we didn't know, we all thought, we thought you were all sort of gone. Yeah, that's that's quite, that's probably the biggest misconception, I guess. Yeah, uh, so to clear that up, yeah, <laughs> we're still here living and breathing and creating, so it's a, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Merongo Merongo Thanks to musicians AJ Penny and Alistair Fraser, and to Dr. Jennifer Catamol of the University of Otago and Deborah Greens of the Hokotehi Moriori Trust. Thanks also to the musicians and the Hokotehi Moriori Trust for allowing the use of their compositions for this episode. This one was produced by me, Claire Kincannon, with help from William Ray and Ellen Rikers. Sound engineering is by Phil Bend, and Tim Watkin is executive producer of podcasts and series at RNZ. You can find the Hokotehi Moriori Trust, Rongo Moriori, on Spotify. And AJ also produces his own music with his band Black Robin, and they too are on Spotify. We'll include links on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Now, if you'd like to hear more, a longer excerpt of the interview that AJ and I did will be played on Culture 101 this coming Sunday. And if you want to know more about Moriori history, I can highly recommend the Aotearoa History Show episode by Manny Dunlop and William Ray on the topic. Plus, The Detail have an interesting episode from February 2020, around the time when Moriori signed a deed of settlement with the Crown. I'll put those links on our webpage too. If you've got feedback for us, you can always email ourchangingworld at rnz.co.nz or find us on Facebook or X where we are at RNZ Science. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Claire Kincannon. Tawa tūra meirongo. Hokotehi meirongo Hokotehi itae arohu Hokotehi meirongo Moriori 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 meirongo
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.